Hey guys, welcome to the Real Love Film Podcast. I am Connor, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Justin. Hello everyone. Hey, it's been a long, long time, and I am so sorry that it's been so long, uh, but I am super excited to get back into it um, and talk movies with you, Justin. What have you, um, what have you been up to? Wow, so much has happened since we have last talked. Um, well, we all know movies theater. Movie theaters, depending on where you live, they have reopened. I've seen Tenet four times. <laughs> I liked it that much. Oh, jeez. I wish I, I wish I'd seen it once. It's yeah. not playing out here in Palm Springs, and it's an hour and a half drive to Riverside. And oh wow! So I, I've done I've done that drive a, a couple times, but I, I don't know. I, for some reason, I I can't get too excited about it. I, I guess the last time we went there, there was a line that was like an hour and a half long. Ooh. So I'm I'm a little less enthused to do that again. Yeah, um, that that would definitely discourage me from wanting to to go out and, especially during this time. I can tell people it's only a movie. It's not that important. It can definitely wait. So you've seen Tenet four times. I know that you've been to see a few classic films because that's really all that's showing new wise. There's, I think, a couple movies. I The last time I went to, we went to a drive-in last week and there was um, there was another movie with Jim Caviezel that was playing. Infidel. Was a new f- okay, did you see that? I have not. I want to see it, it now. It's sort of, Hard for me to get excited about that one. I like the trailer and everything. Uh-huh. I just wonder. I like, uh is it a Christian film? Is he staying in that it's lane? It's not a Christian film, even though that um, Jim Caviezel mostly does more faith-based films, and I love faith-based films. Um, it's not to disparage them or talk bad about them, uh-huh. but he's he's definitely more in that lane. And this one, um, one of the things that definitely caught my attention when I saw the trailer for it was. Um, it was produced by um, D'Souza Productions or D'Souza Films. So for those who probably don't know, Dinesh D'Souza is a well-known, prominent, conservative uh, media figure who produced such schlocky propaganda efforts like uh, Death of America or uh, he has his latest one is called Trump Card. He's done one called uh, Hillary's America. Have you watched Obama some of these? Because I've never watched them and I never will. But it would be interesting. Do you so, have opinions about them? Have of you course. I'll, them? I'll watch them. I'm conservative. But um, I watch them to see what are they going to say. Because let's be honest, their perception of things are definitely hella biased. And, and even as a conservative, I have no problem calling them out for their bullshit spin on a lot of things. I I don't. Speaking of politics, hey, everyone that has not yet already, please, if you can register, go register and go vote. Um, It is super important. This is a really important election, and I don't want to be preachy, but I think it's good to hear it from all angles. Go vote. Your voice matters. And Back I will, to what you were saying. I will second and double down on that, too. And I don't think it's preachy at all to encourage people to go out there and exercise a right that they have, a right that so many people have fought for, that I have taken an oath to defend to ensure that all American citizens have that right. And yes, definitely go vote. 
And hopefully you're not experiencing what places like Georgia and Texas attempted to do, kind of diminishing your voice and, and trying to kind of create a difficulty for you to get to the polls. I know Georgia had nine hour waits and, and Texas, they were trying to kind of imitate that. But Voter suppression is a real thing, but fortunately, no, here in Colorado, voting by mail is pretty much primary. It doesn't mean you cannot vote in person in Colorado. It just means uh-huh. that the main apparatus for voting is by um, mail-in ballot. But you don't have to drop it in the mail. There's a designated ballot box. You can drop it off right there directly to the source. Cut out the postal middleman in this case. Um, but just make sure you don't take this right for granted. Um, I don't tell people who to vote for. What you do on your ballot and in that booth is your business. But please, go out there, participate, make your voice heard. And speaking of voting, speaking of politics, actually, I wanted to get to it. That's what we're going to be discussing today is, is um, the 2020 film that actually uh, debuted on Apple Plus. It was a, I think it debuted at Sundance and it's called Boys State. Um, I really encourage you guys to watch it if you haven't. Um, I know a lot of people probably don't have Apple Plus, but I, I honestly think that this is a movie that's really worth watching for everyone. Um, it's a really important movie. Uh, I've been encouraging Justin to watch it, and he finally did, and he felt the same, and I'm excited to talk about it. So before we get into that, though, I know, Justin, you recently bought a box set of Friday the 13th films. Man, I got box sets. I got box sets on box sets because I'm going to put it this way. Even though the movies have dried up at the multiplex, there is no shortage of catalog re-releases coming um, to home video. And so one of them I definitely did buy was the Friday the 13th box set. Holy shit, it was worth the wait. I kid you not. It's awesome. We know the films are not Academy Award winning material. You know what you're looking at. It's a slasher film, but these are slasher film classics. Well, maybe the first two or three. The other ones are just shitty sequels. <laughs> but that, that's okay, though. That's no, no judgment. But what I'm saying is it's definitely worth it. Uh, I bought it directly from Shout Factory or Scream Factory. Uh, got this really cool poster along with the two. The artwork is awesome. It's really more about the supplemental bonus material. A lot of work and effort have gone into this release, and it is well worth the $160 I spent on it. You can actually get it from Amazon, I think, maybe maybe about $20 cheaper. It's absolutely worth it, for sure. Does it have question? Does it have Freddy versus Jason in there? Is it that considered? It does. So it, it does. does have okay. Freddy versus Jason in there. So some of these releases are definitely repeats of older releases. All of the Friday the 13th films have been released on Blu-ray in some capacity before, but it brings together all of the Paramount films. Uh, the first eight films were produced and distributed from Paramount Pictures. While Jason Goes to Hell and Up they were uh, produced and distributed by New Line Cinema, including the uh, recent 2009 film. Um, that's also included in the box set as well, but it's like 16 discs. And oh, we're talking about like rated and unrated cuts for the first film, uh, recently unearthed gore uh, that was found. In, oh, wow. Yeah, for part two. Okay. It contains a proper 
true 3D video release of Friday the 13th Part 3. Uh, because the film was a 3D film, but the original box set contained these red and blue anaglyph glasses, like back in the day. This is the actual true 3D release. And um, real quick, not to yeah. cut in, Justin is one of those people that actually still buys 3D releases, and he has to import them usually from mm-hmm. out of the country. Um, I think he's the only one that I know that does that. Um, but it's it, it, he's holding the holding the flag strong, and you're you're still. Yeah. I, I love it. So, yeah, uh, so I still have a working 3D TV. Um, I hope it does make a comeback in some way. Even even if I have to pay a little more for it. I play that TV sparingly because I don't want anything to happen to it. Um, oh, totally. Yeah, and I think, because uh, I was looking in the event that something bad should happen, uh, if I could still buy another 3D TV, they're expensive as hell, and I might have to end up importing one of those as well, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely bought one of the last 3D TV models. I wish I would have spent the extra money on my latest TV that's four years old now. Um, just yeah. to have another 3D TV in the house, but hey, what's done is done. Definitely, it, it's just an awesome fucking box set. That's all I got to say on it. it it's amazing, <laughs> and I have owned other box sets. I have uh, Shouts now long out of print, 15 disc box set of the Halloween series. Um, okay, that yeah. that is one that I would buy. Oh yeah, yeah, you got six hundred dollars. Oh jeez. Yeah, yeah, Jeez. yeah. It's it's out of print. Um, I hope. You know that there's another box set maybe somewhere further down the line. Um, maybe when they finish, they're they're going to do three of these Halloween movies. They've already done one, the new Halloween films, um, directed by oh, I'm uh, David the Gordon Green. David Gordon Green, yeah, and written by um, the comedian. Uh, Danny McBride, surprisingly, Danny McBride. yeah, yep, yeah. The great, the first movie is fantastic, super great. Very, there's a lot of meat on the bones. I feel like it has more to say than I've seen in a Halloween movie in a long time. A lot to say about trauma and kind of shared family trauma. I just watched it actually uh, just a few days ago, so that's kind of fresh in my mind. But I, I love that movie. Um, I think it's really well done. A lot better remake, a lot better sequel, I guess I should say. Oh, definitely. Um, than the Rob Zombie movies, which aren't sequels, they're remakes, but still. You know, the movies I, aren't great. I like the Rob Zombie films, but they're Do rough. Do you? I need to take a shower after watching them, though. I feel rough. Oh, that's like, how I feel about I mean, all Rob Zombie. I'll put, I'll put it, yeah, exactly. Anything Rob Zombie related, I need to take a shower just because it's just it's rough. You you don't come out the same. There There is some mental scarring involved. I feel like it's someone that enjoys, like, as opposed to someone that shows you, like, really gruesome deaths and doesn't enjoy it, I feel like he, like, takes some kind of sick pleasure in it, and it, it comes across on screen, and I, I just have a hard time with it. But I'm sure there's people, there may be people listening that really enjoy his movies, but for they've just never worked for me. <laughs> but, um, but no, speaking of 3D, um, did you hear that Avatar 2 has finally wrapped filming? Oh. Are you excited? I think that happened. Those movies still exist? Yeah, they're still <laughs> happening. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not hyped for Avatar 2, but I will be there just like I was for the first movie. Yeah. Because the wait has been so long, it's just not really even registering on my radar. 
And how many times have we doubted James Cameron and then he's come through with, you know, the the next biggest movie of all time. So it, it would be kind of uh, foolish at this point to doubt him, I feel like. Yeah, but he used to deliver on time and on schedule. I yeah. mean, I heard about Titanic probably about maybe the beginning of 1996 and how okay. expensive the movie was and everything. And it materialized and it was a great movie. Granted, I wasn't crazy about it like a lot of people were when it first I came think that out. that aged pretty well. I think if you it has. do a rewatch. I, I think so. The, the soundtrack is still amazing. When I'm in the shower, I know I'm still singing. My heart will go on sometimes just as long as I know somebody else is not around. Uh, I, I still have a Laserdisc copy of Titanic. And I honestly think Terminator 2 is one of the best action movies in the last like 30 years. It's it's fantastic. It's Terminator 2 will always go down as not, not even just one of the best action science fiction films ever made. I think it's probably one of the greatest films made, period. Ooh, wow. Yeah. I Bold, mean, yeah. Words. But like, but it's like he don't show no love or respect for some of his other films. Still yeah. waiting on a definitive home video release for The Abyss. Like, damn, uh-huh. dude. It's been 30 fucking years. It's been 31 years now. Where, where's the Blu-ray? Can't even get that a Blu-ray. That movie still holds up. Still does. It's on, in fact, speaking of The Abyss, if you want to watch it, it's on Amazon Prime, and I believe it's in widescreen format. Highly encourage it. Um, Good to know. True Lies. Can, I mean, can we get some love for True Lies? I love True Lies. Such a good movie. Same thing. I mean, I broke out the laser disc the other day. Even I have a DVD player, by the way, folks. I don't just rock laser disc, but what we I'm saying is, back around to Jamie Lee Curtis. So that's Jamie. That's there you smart go. Right there. I'm just saying that I think a lot of James Cameron's films, the the ones that the people really want a great updated home video release for, just mm-hmm. can't seem to get it. If you want True Lies on Blu-ray, you probably got to order a copy from Spain that's not even endorsed by James Cameron. It's just somebody had the rights to it. They released it. It's an official release. It's not a bootleg. Mm-hmm. But I'm just thinking, come on, James. But then the thing on top of that, too, is is uh, 20th Century Fox distributed um, these films in certain locations, and we know that, well, especially Titanic, that was a Fox distribution worldwide. Paramount distributed here in the States. Um, Disney now owns the Fox catalog, um, which I'm not crazy about because I don't think Disney has shown any respect to those titles. I really don't. We just got a 4K UHD release of Home Alone. Wow, big whoop. I'm surprised we got that. Really? I yeah. didn't even know that. There's that a four. Yeah, yeah, they, they released it. And I'm thinking, great, uh-huh. but they ha- there are so many other... Fox titles out there that I think definitely deserve some TLC and should get you oh, know sure. solid definitive releases and that was my biggest concern about the Disney buyout of a Fox was they wouldn't re- they wouldn't treat those titles with respect and they so far have proven me right on that. And Disney is kind of, uh, in recent news, they're kind of in the news right now. They they recently announced that they're reshuffling things a little bit and focusing mm-hmm. even more on streaming. Even more on um, streaming now, be- yep. Yeah, just because I think we're, theaters are, are even slower to roll out than I think they initially thought. 
Um, you know, in some ways, I feel like it would have been almost best for studios just to call this year a loss and then maybe move on to next year because that stop, start, stop, start. I don't. I, I think it's making it really tough. Um, yeah, for, for I, I can folks. tell that's the that's a big concern. And after the uh, disappointing domestic release for Tenant, studios yeah. were definitely a lot more reluctant to release these big. 200 million plus films out theatrically because there's going to be money lost. Absolutely. They're not going to be able to salvage it all. And it's not their fault that that is the environment we are in. And I think if anything, the, the pandemic has really forced the studios to really change their business model. I'm not saying that theaters are going away. They're not going away. It will definitely probably in fact, the question is whether it's yeah. just big, 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 big budget films, and that's really mm-hmm. all we see, and then smaller indie films are only on streaming. And I don't love that reality. I don't like I that. Love independent cinema, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like we may be going there. That seems to be what a lot of people are saying, and I, it scares me a little, but we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll I hope that, that doesn't happen for sure, because I, I very much loved... I feel that, for the most part, the majority of films were the big budget, small budget are meant to be seen theatrically. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I am just as quick to go watch an indie film theatrically than I am to go watch a, a big-budget franchise picture. Um, just right now, we're not in a position to you know, get back to business as normal. And I think even post-pandemic, it won't just go back to business as normal. And I think maybe some of the changes that we'll see is a good thing. Some I definitely will not like. Yeah, no, I, I'm very much on board with that. Uh, I definitely agree with you. No, and since the last time we talked, um, we've seen a lot of reshuffling in like the film calendar. Um, almost everything except it, the only thing that has not moved from this year that's like a big budget release is Wonder Woman, and it's just a matter of time, I think. Yeah, very much. That's what I'm thinking now, too. As of right now, the film is scheduled for a Christmas Day release, but that remains to be seen. Uh, I think even Ryan Reynolds' uh, film, uh, Free Guy, uh, the one where he plays uh-huh. the character in the video game. Um, yeah. That, for now, I notice is still on the calendar. Definitely would not be surprised if that film gets pushed as well. Yeah, no, that's just kind of the reality that we're facing. And I, I know that there was um recently Disney announced that they're going to release Soul on Disney+. Plus. And on Christmas they're actually Day, going yes. to do it without premium VOD. So it sounds mm-hmm. to me like maybe the Mulan kind of experiment wasn't as successful as they were hoping. So now instead of um, you know charging that extra thirty dollars that a lot of people didn't like, I paid it, but I I don't I know a lot of people that that would have scoffed so at that. I was going to um, ask you, doing the other route. how did you like Mulan? Yeah, I liked it. I I would say I didn't love it, but I liked it. Um, I I think it was beautifully shot. Like it was a gorgeous movie. Um, I liked I liked the the girl that played Mulan. Um, for some reason, it kind of feels a little flat though. Like it didn't it didn't wow me completely. I do love that there is more representation in this movie. It felt like they were making a little bit of effort, but um, I don't know. I I've talked to or I've listened to um some critics some. Um, some Asian film critics who really were a little bit disappointed in it and and felt like it it dropped the ball when 
it could have really been a big a big thing for the Asian community, and and they feel like it dropped the ball a little bit. Um, what did you think? Uh, I wasn't gonna pay the thirty dollars. <laughs> no, nah, yeah, man, I'm like, me, I, me too. I, I spend money on more things, more money on more things. Um, I'm definitely big on presentation, and I'm not saying that you don't get great presentations at home when you stream. But yeah. I wanted to wait for a physical copy, and the great news is a physical copy is on its way at the beginning of November. Uh, so I'm just gonna get that from Best Buy. In fact, I'm going to buy the UHD. And the UHD of the original animated film. Um, so, okay. yeah, you know, I like Mulan. It's definitely one of my favorite uh, Disney animated features. The trailer for the uh, movie was a hype for it, but I was going to be there in the seats. And think, yep. thinking to myself, I was like, I bet you that this movie is going to have a banging Dolby Atmos soundtrack. And so. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And so that was the thing, though. I was just like, you know, I don't mind paying for streaming. And I know that's a reality right now, though. $30? Mm, $30. And I understand with this, you can own it just as long as you keep subscribing to Disney+. Plus. But Yes, I, very much. I held and out for a physical copy. And so there's one coming soon. I I, I think I I was on board to pay for it because I know that those big budget movies, if we don't if we don't kind of show our support for them, this sounds really silly. Yeah, but they like yeah. they're not gonna they're not gonna recoup their money on Disney Plus. They're not like there's not the the subscriber base is growing and I think it's over sixty million. Mm-hmm. But I, I they're not going to recoup how much money you you spend on advertising and the budget. Mulan had I think over a two hundred million dollar budget plus yeah. advertising plus, plus advertising. All these I, I, yeah, the movie you know, re- received three hundred million. It, it received theatrical release in markets where Disney Plus is not available, but even in those markets, the movie did not catch fire at the box office. It didn't catch fire at the box office in China. It even had its premiere, actually, just before, just before yep. the COVID shutdowns happened. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Um, no, I, I think I will say what I will say about it is I liked it better than a lot of the other Disney remakes. It wasn't a shot for shot remake of the animated Mulan, which I appreciated. Um, that's been my biggest complaint about these, these remakes. I, I really didn't like The Lion King. I really didn't like, I really didn't like Beauty and the Beast. I liked Jasmine from Aladdin. I really didn't love Aladdin. Um, and so it, it felt like, they were actually trying something new and different and, and were actually taking a chance. Um, I'm hoping that that's what we see from these, the, the, the ones to come. I know we still have the little mermaid and we still have, um, Emma Stone is in a, like a, I wouldn't call it a remake, but they're, they're kind of following Cruella DeVille. And I'm sure that the original 101 Dalmatians will be involved in some way. The story will be involved. Um, but I, I just think, if you're going to make it kind of how I feel about someone adapting any like a like a novel to the screen, I've always felt that I don't think a straight adaption for me, this is my opinion, I don't think that's that works for me. I, I'd rather see you take artistic license, take some chances and make it your own. I agree. Um, I feel the so same way too with uh, with remakes. I've yeah. I, I like the Lion King update, but Overall, it didn't really take many risks. I mean, besides casting Beyonce, who I didn't really feel was great. But other than that, yeah, I I agree. I don't expect to see a literal adaptation of what I have seen before. 
been there, done Speaking that, got the the Lion King. you know. Yeah, take take risks. Oh, totally. Did you hear about the uh the news that um the Lion King it's they they're calling it Lion King 2, but it's not necessarily a sequel, it's more like almost a prequel that'll be directed by Moonlight director Barry Jenkins. I Have you heard about that? I did hear about that. I haven't read much of the details. Yeah, um, as you can see from my facial expression, I'm not really excited about that, and you can probably hear it in my voice. <laughs> I mean, I I I'm I love Barry Jenkins. I've loved all of his films thus far in his filmography, and so I get it if he's like out to just make that money. Like I I get it. Like at a certain point, it's just like you know, like. But look I at my know. face, Connor. Who, who you can tell. You can tell. I'm not happy. Look, no. <laughs> He's he hasn't steered me wrong. If Beale Street could talk and Moonlight were both my favorite movies of those uh, those particular years, and I, I think he has a real eye as a filmmaker. So I'm 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 going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and we'll see what he does. Um, it could be interesting. I at least from what he's kind of talked about, the story would be about um, Mufasa, um, and if he takes some chances, then we'll see. You know, you never know. So, um, also we were going to record a podcast. This was like a month ago. I I've been so bad back when the, uh, the new Batman trailer came out, we were going to talk about that and we never did. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know DC, if you want to talk about yeah. that real quick. DC fandom was last month and it was awesome. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm gonna put it this way. Marvel, if you're listening, you got your work cut out for you. You can't get lazy anymore. You've done your story all the way up through Avengers Endgame. And you guys are, I wouldn't say be starting from scratch necessarily with Black Widow. But all I'm saying is you cannot what you did before and think people are just going to show up. DC brought their A game last month. And I am hyped. Everything from the now confirmed, we know is happening Schneider Cut for Justice League. Wonder Woman 1984, uh, Black Adam is coming, you know, Shazam 2 is coming, The Suicide Squad, holy shit, very impressed with what I saw, but the Batman trailer, all I'm going to say is, if you think Robert Pattinson is just some sparkly vampire, you are wrong. I mean... And you might not have been paying attention to all the movies he's been making outside of the Twilight films. Number like he's, one, he, he's, he's just, actor. he's a great actor and he was like, honestly, one of the best things about Tenet. Tenet was a great film. I've seen it four times. I was wondering about that. But it's not I, my I Christopher. I really heard yeah. a lot of things about his performance. He was excellent. And, and Tenet is not my favorite Christopher Nolan film, but I still enjoyed it. it. It's still very much a Nolan film. It's just, I think it's one of his... How was John David Washington? He was excellent. I mean, yeah. the, the movie, okay. I think the only weak link in that film really was Kenneth Branagh. And he's an excellent really? actor. He's an excellent director. But his character in the film was... Mm, I, I, I say the best way to describe Tenet, it's a James Bond film, and I hope that okay. Christopher Nolan in the future does direct an actual Bond film. But, yeah, I mean, it it follows a lot of the tenets, no, no, pun, no pun intended, 
Um, it is a Bond film in, in, in so many so many aspects of it, but Kenneth Branagh plays the villain, and he's actually a weak villain. Just he's at times That's just comes off as really cartoonish. Oh man, that's a bummer. I'm I'm still excited to see it. I know it's coming. It's coming out on home video in in December, I believe. You mm, would know that better than I would. Yeah, uh, it? it's it's rumored for now. I wouldn't be surprised if it actually okay. being confirmed. Uh, because I just have a yeah. feeling that the studio wants the film to play theatrically longer. I'm not saying we have to wait like the 1980s for. Yeah, we're waiting for a whole movie to come on video a year later after its release. But I just have a feeling that with the way things are right now, especially considering the fact that even Los Angeles and New York and those markets have not even opened yet. I, I have a feeling that uh, uh, New York actually just opened all their theaters outside of New York City. That just happened. Oh, today, really? Actually. So, yeah. Oh, OK. I see. I didn't even know that. OK, so. I mean, I hope people watch this film theatrically, and I hope the film is able to find its legs at the box office. But I have a feeling that, yeah, you, you probably want to see a, a video release of Tenet for maybe, I say, the middle of next year. In a lot of places, you could go to the drive-in. If, if you're more comfortable going to a drive-in than you know going to an actual physical theater like I am, there are still places that are showing Tenet uh, in that format. Yeah. So that, that might be an option. Um, what? The, there's a couple other things I wanted to talk about. So I mentioned earlier that I, I have gone to the drive-in. I, I went, they opened a drive-in actually here in Palm Springs. They've had one before that was um, at like our art house cinema. It was just like an inflatable screen. It there was a it was not a great location, wasn't very big. Um, if you parked in a certain spot, the whole screen would be like uh, obstructed and the wind would catch the screen and it would just, <laughs> it, it looked crazy. It was, we saw Jurassic Park like that and it felt like it was a part of the movie. It was a, it was a, it was a it's, it's, you thought there was a dinosaur really there, huh? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And uh, Jurassic Park's one of my favorite films. So it was still fun to see it, but, um, we went to see, um, Hotel Transylvania. It was a double feature with Hotel Transylvania and Ghostbusters. Hotel Transylvania is it's cute. Will really loves those movies, um, and they, it was it was super fun. They're, I I think they're they're better. The one of the better movies Adam Sandler's done in the last ten years. They they are. But that's yeah. I, I like them. I haven't seen a third one, but the for the first two I did enjoy. I haven't either. Um. They're, you know, they're slight. They're n nothing like crazy, but, but it was a nice kind of movie that I didn't have to pay attention to and I could, you know, just kind of hang out. And yeah. then, um, Ghostbusters were great. I, I think this is the first time I've seen Ghostbusters on a big screen. So that was really fun. Um, and Will was saying he might not have ever seen it because he didn't remember a lot. He's of it, never which, seen Ghostbusters? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. So that was surprising. Um, but it, that, that's just such a great movie and it it's it's aged well and it's it's funny that that movie used to really really scare me i remember everything was zool was terrifying <laughs> to me um yeah doesn't i don't feel the same way anymore but it's still a great movie um it, it's funny though some of the some of the humor in the movie especially bill bill murray's humor hasn't aged super well um i did notice that a little bit um, and I know that's sacrilege because a lot of people, Ghostbusters might be their favorite film. I'm surprised but, uh, the film still has a PG rating because when I watched it as an adult, I'm thinking, this movie rated PG? I'm like, man, that's like standards have changed. Yeah. 
Yes, very, very, very much. I I want to watch Ghostbusters too. I know it's not it's not nearly as good of a movie, but there are certain things that I I still remember from that movie. The the painting still scares me quite deeply. That's still a really creepy image. Um, so I'm excited. I'll, I'll definitely have to talk to you about it um, the next time we record. Um, and then I've also been watching, I've been rewatching the Halloween movie. So I watched the first Halloween and the recent 2018 remake. And then I've also, me and Will have sat down and, and been binging Shit's Creek. Have you watched Shit's Creek at all? I've watched episodes. It's a funny show. Um, I wasn't like big I would say it's it, a like show that gets better but, as you yeah. watch it. Okay, yeah, I just How, need to did, finish it up. I would say, and a lot of people have, I've heard a lot of people say this as well. The first season is a little, it's it's a little rough around the edges. I, I wouldn't say that the characters kind of come into their own until probably the second or the third season. But by that point, the show becomes one of the best shows on television. It's so great. It's so warm. It's so authentically kind of kind and sweet. Um and it's it's pretty timely. I mean, it's it's these this family that comes from money, they lose it all, and then they kind of you kind of follow them as they kind of become decent good people. Um, and I I think my complaint with a lot of modern television, um, and I I could cite examples um, from certain TV shows, and I'll as I talk I'll, I'll think about them. But the the characters actually grow, and then they don't regress back to what's happened before. Like. Uh, one of my complaints with the show How I Met Your Mother was um, Neil Patrick Harris's character. He he kind of grows as a character throughout the show. And then in the last season, he just regresses back to exactly what he was before that point. And it's frustrating and it, it, it just feels cheap. Um, and Schitt's Creek does not do that. And, and you see the characters kind of blossom. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it, it's one of the, the sweetest representations of a gay couple on TV that I've ever seen. And it's so true and and so warm. And it's just, it's the perfect, perfect viewing for this time um, where I think we're all kind of just with the election and with COVID, we, we all just need like a like a warm cup of cocoa, so to speak, and, and a TV show or movie. And this definitely has checked that box. And I... I've loved it. I'm excited. We're in the last season. We have seven more episodes. And as much as I'm excited to finish it, I want to savor it a little bit. So um, I wanted to talk about that a, bit, a little bit and, and how much I love it. And it's and um, Catherine O'Hara is so great and she's so funny. And the words that she comes up with is someone that, that feels like I have a pretty good vocabulary. Oh, man, I, I don't know a lot of these words, and it's super fun. <laughs> um, she's just, she's she's very affected, and I she's definitely going for something, and it and the more you watch it, it's like you can't help but like it, have these people you grow to love them a little bit. Like, I don't know. It's I, I urge you to give it a chance, because it's, it's really great, and it's really smartly written and, and super sweet. So, that's Shit's Creek. Um, other than that, I've been rewatching kind of the same movies that bring me kind of joy over and over again, um, because that's 2020. Um, I haven't been watching a ton of new stuff. Um, I'm hoping to watch Haunting of Hill House. And um, actually, speaking of that, I, I did, I did, I, I lied. I did watch two movies that I had not seen before. I watched uh, the uh, Ouija, which I think came out. Six years ago, seven. Years uh, the the first one came out two thousand fourteen. Yeah, 
2014. Okay. okay. It was okay. Wasn't wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't bad. I, I enjoyed it for like a, a fun Halloween-y kind of creepy movie. And then the second movie, Ouija Origin of Evil, which is actually a prequel, and Mike Flanagan who I was just talking about with, with that Haunting of Hill House, he directed the second movie. Um, and you guys might know Mike Flanagan from Dr. Sleep. Um, you might know him from, uh, I, I don't know, not super, he hasn't had a ton of movies that you might know him from. Gerald's Game, which is on Netflix. I know some people watch that. I did, loved it. Or um, Hush, which was an, an, his, one of his first movies on Netflix. But anyway, um, Ouija Origin of Evil is great. It's it's super tense, um, really builds the suspense really well, and really makes you care about um, this family. Um, and it's just it's also really smartly shot. Um, it feels like a classic horror movie in the vein of like um like a Ring or something like that. Um, I I really recommend it. And it's a it's a great choice if you want something spooky right now. Have you have you been besides Friday the Thirteenth? Have you been watching anything Halloweeny in this season? I recently watched the first Scream for the first time in a long time. Um, taking it back to Laserdisc, so I did have the film on Laserdisc, and it is—it's uh-huh. one of the only ways I know you can watch the film director's cut. Which there's not there's not a lot of stuff added to it, but some slightly more gory or moments, some different um, takes on a couple of scenes. So I watched Scream recently. Um, I watched The Crow randomly the crow which most people probably wouldn't think of a traditional halloween film um but yeah. uh, to me it's such a fall film it's such a fall movie even though it was a summer release back in 1994 but the, the macabre aspect of it the the gothic style of it and everything and the whole you know resurrection of the main character i definitely felt like it fits with this time of the year Brian, yeah. Brian and I, we went to go watch Hocus Pocus at the movies a couple of weeks ago, which was very fun. Yay. Um, the first time I've seen the movie at the at, at the movie since its initial release back in 1993. Did you see it in theaters in 93? I did. I did. Uh, not when it first came out. Like, we, you know, my, my mom was like, what? $3 for a matinee? Nah, we're waiting for the dollar movie. Like, <laughs> yes, oh, I was the same. Yeah, we yeah, were a dollar, I, dollar, uh, we dollar were movie a family. We were a dollar movie family. <laughs> so I actually saw it at the movies in October of 1993, which was actually more fitting than its original July release. For sure. Yeah, it's it's been interesting watching that movie gain such a huge following over the years. Oh like my it, god, yeah. It's really it's really become a huge a huge juggernaut for Disney. And I know they've they've long been kind of gestating and talking about a sequel and they recently announced that they are going to make a sequel. We'll see kind of when it materializes and where, um whether it's just a streaming or whatever, but um yeah, it's it's such a such a quintessential it's a it's a perfect family Halloween movie. Um I I really enjoy Hocus Pocus. I I watch it too much. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I also wanted to talk about um. So one of the movies that I have not watched yet that you I really heartily recommend. So I, I I'm sure a lot of you guys know about Coraline, um, which is Leica Studios, which does a lot of um like stop motion. They kind of like Nightmare for Christmas. I know a lot of you guys have seen that movie. It's similar in that vein. It's um, 
play figures that are animated. So they're still doing old school technology. Um, I love Coraline, but my favorite Leica movie, besides Kubo and the Two Strings, which doesn't fit with what That's we're talking about here, excellent is Paranorman. Paranorman. Yeah, Paranorman so um, was great. I really loved Paranorman. It's great, and it also has um, a, a gay character in it. That's um, a surprise and a fun surprise. Um, and it's it's a really sweet movie. I'd say, like a lot of Leica movies, it talks about things that you don't normally talk about with your kids. But I still think it would it would be a good movie to watch with your kids. Um, it's just it's really sweet, really good hearted. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, other than that, though, I don't really have anything else that I've been watching or that I want to talk about. Are you ready to get into our main review? I am ready. Sweet. I will skip the part where I brag for three minutes about how great and cool I am. Seeing as we are all qualified young men of skill and character. People like that stuff. Good, yeah. People like that stuff a lot. Some people say they're a sports junkie. I say I'm a politics junkie. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I'm playing this like a game. I would like very much to win. I love it, boys. I love it. Where are you from? I come from a very modest family. I'm on the course to be the first one to graduate from high school. I'm a progressive person and I'm in a room full of mostly conservative people. Our masculinity shall not be infringed. I've never seen so many white people ever. I feel like everybody has a secret underlying need for bipartisanship. A message of unity, as good as it sounds, is not winning anyone any elections. Primary polls are now open. Get yourselves ready for a turbulent election. Whatever happens, dude, best of luck. You win, I support you fully. My name is Steven Garza, and I'm running for governor. Let's get the applause because... As to the political views, voice of my speech, sometimes you gotta say what you gotta say in an attempt to win. I think he's a fantastic politician. But I don't think a fantastic politician is a compliment either. We're gonna do shock and awe. It's gonna be awesome. I want y'all to take out your phones and go on Instagram. Everyone, come on. Oh my God. Will we show the world what patriots are made of? That when things get tough, we pull ourselves by our bootstraps. One nation under God, lovers of the Constitution of the United States of America. That's politics, I think. So we are talking about Boys State, which is the 2020 release that was released on Apple Plus just this summer. Um, And Justin, you were the one that most recently watched it. I have watched it a few times, but it's been probably a month since the last time I watched it. So why don't you go first? What do you think of Boy State? I absolutely loved it. Um, I know you were trying to get me to watch it for the longest time. And believe it, uh, me, when I say this, this this podcast episode uh, has been in the making for at least probably about a month or so. When uh, Connor first saw it, told me about it, and me making the time to watch it. So finally made the time to watch it and it is probably one of the most important and very timely and relevant 
documentary films of our time at the moment where, I mean, people don't like to say that as a country we are divided or we're more divided than we have ever been because we have always been divided along certain aspects in terms of beliefs and values and philosophy. But right now it just seems like it is definitely more in your face and a lot more brutal and vicious. And so watching this nearly two hour long documentary about these boys from all walks of life in the state of Texas converge in Austin to set up a political party, set up a party platform, and run for these mock offices, it was something to see because, I mean, we see our current political landscape and how the adults in the room, and I'm using air quotes when I say that, how our elected officials act and the younger generation behind them are seeing that. And the film focuses on a few characters and you see how some of the behavior is pretty much copied by these, by these young upstarts who have a passion for politics, civics, civil discourse it yeah it's really eye opening it really is and sometimes it's i mean it's very inspiring it's also depressing at times yeah yeah um highly recommend it uh you can watch it you know on you don't have to have an apple tv to watch it because apple does have an app that allows you to watch apple plus programming whether you have a amazon fire stick or I even believe even on Roku, you can just download the Apple TV app and you can watch it that way as well. And Apple's streaming service is only $5 a month. I mean, you can get the free trial and then just drop it before you get billed for it or you have to pay for it. But it's definitely worth the watch. Highly, highly recommended. Yay, I'm so glad that you got a chance to finally check it out. I feel the same way. Um, When I watched it, I had said that it was one of, if not my favorite movie that I'd seen thus far this year. Um, It's been a hard year. Obviously, there hasn't been as many movies normally. I, I was just talking with Will, and normally, in a given year, I would be in the movies maybe once or twice a week for, like, almost a hundred movies in a year. Like I easily, like it it was, was crazy how much I was going to the movies. And so to take that away is just such an adjustment. But, um, I, I honestly think that this is maybe the most timely movie of our current moment. And it's so important and so inspiring, like you said. And, um, it's also just really smartly made. I, I feel like they, the director definitely lucked out and kind of focusing on these kids, um, I, when we were going to do this recording, I wrote down a couple notes, um, kind of some things that struck out to me when the movie starts, it, it starts with a quote from George Washington. Um, and I wanted to read this to you guys. Um, so it says political parties are likely to become important engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people 
and to usurp for themselves the reins of the uh, reins of government. Um, and I, I feel like that movie that that quote also kind of summarizes the movie as a whole and definitely where we're going as a country with politics. Um, and as Justin was saying, this movie gives me hope in that I see I see the ability for the younger generation to do what we haven't and to try and find unity even through this enormously fractured, divided moment. Um, and it, it was interesting because I, I was so invested in these, these characters that after the movie ended, I immediately went to research all that I could about all these kids. I, I looked up YouTube videos. I looked up um, just different things to kind of get more information. Um, and since I haven't watched it in a bit, I don't remember all the character names. I know Renee who is um, state one party of the chair yeah. uh, state party chair um, and he has now since said that he has no interest in being involved in politics he's been very vocal um, he's a really smart guy really really smart young man um, and he's kind of kind of stepped back away from politics also I would say the main antagonist of the film or kind of how he's portrayed um, has kind of made it an about face uh, he's he's definitely uh, kind of changed his kind of perspective on things and he's kind of realized that um, he was kind of in his words he, he said that he was in the wrong um, and he definitely I, he said vocally that he feels like um, one thing that really stuck out to me is he in the film that character talks about um, basically politics being he talks about it as a game, but he also talks about it as it's it's all about manipulating and, and kind of beating down the opponent and, and talking negatively about them and and all these things. And and um, watching videos now, it feels like he's really grown as an individual Um and I, I also feel like the movie tries really hard to to be nuanced. Like, I, I wouldn't say that... Like, it gives him the opportunity to speak, and I don't think it puts words in his mouth or anything like that. I feel like it's quite quite honest to him in that moment. Um, what, do you, what do you feel about that? So, yeah, I did the same thing. I started looking up videos to see where are they at currently. You know, I always tell people, you know, yeah. keep, keep in mind, you know, that... What we saw was a snapshot. Boys State was released this year. It was filmed in 2018. People can change and grow within that time period. And so uh, Ben, he's the one who is definitely, I guess you could say, more of a a villain in this where he says, you know, politics is pretty much a game. And, you know, this is a strategy that you have to uh, take in order to win at this game. I was wondering, uh, what happened? Does he still feel that way? Um, it sounds like, you know, based on the videos you found that he doesn't feel the same way, but I'm sure also watching himself on screen was probably embarrassing for him as well, because, you know, some people don't care about how they look, whether it's good or bad. Some people care about how they actually are portrayed. And so I think maybe that, Probably could have played into that as well. Um, Renee, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I thought he was one of the you know the characters who I definitely um, identified with, and then of course you know uh, Stephen Stephen Garza, the one who yeah, and who is definitely I yeah. the heart of the movie, and definitely he's, he, I he is the with. film's 
And it's a documentary, but it still has a narrative as well. But he is the film's moral compass. And, you know, to see... A hesitant leader. He's a hesitant leader, and you see him grow. Because he was like, you know, this dark horse um, presence who, when he gives his first speech, I mean, just wow. I mean, I felt that. I was like... Shit. Me too. I, I, I cried when I first watched it. I was like, Donald Trump, what she can sound like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and it's it so it's so unmanufactured, right? Like it's, yes. it's just this kid that that, you know, is so honest and so real. And when he talks about he talks about the immigrant story and he talks about that is really when it hit me, hit me hard. And he talks about um, his family and how they've worked so hard to get to where they are and, um, and how for him, what America, like the, the, the thing that he admires most about America and what he believes it can be is a place for that anyone can make, can make it, you know? And, and it feels like we've lost that a little bit. And um, this his hope in America definitely inspired me and, and makes me feel like we can have there there are better days to come. Um especially if people like like Steven get an office. Um because we need more of it. We we really do. Um Absolutely. And uh yeah. Do you know one movie that really stuck out with me? Um, I'm trying to, because I haven't watched this in a while, and I did not do my whole work, and I'm really sorry. Um, the gentleman that Stephen Garza is first debating with, the, um, the, before he actually goes up against his uh, main opponent, um, he goes up against the gentleman who, who basically says that, like, he, he says all these things about abortion and all these things that are... Yes. You know, very much against abortion and then off camera you see him talking and it's like you know like i i honestly don't feel the same way that i've been telling people like i if if they knew how i felt they wouldn't elect me um so he he kind of takes the stance of kind of manufacturing a character very much donald trump-esque right he creates this kind of um he you know very much loud very um boisterous loud raunchy yeah saying some really kind of gross things um, assuming that that's what these people want, right? They're in the heart of Texas, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I I have these guys pegged. That's exactly what they want. They want, you know, this this loud, um, offensive, um, non PC kind of kind of personality." And I think where the movie f- finds where it becomes so inspiring is is he has a moment where he realizes, "Oh man, I really misjudge these people. They don't want that. Mm-hmm. They just want someone that's genuine and honest." Yeah, it's like he underestimated, you know, his peers because he thought that's what they wanted. And it sort of gives you this impression that our political party establishment is just really nothing more than this fraternity of immature, loud men. And it's called Boys State. Um, FYI, there is also a girl state as well, you know, for, for the girls. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's probably a co-ed version of it as well, but it's just focusing more, you know, from, from the boys. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, to hear how candid some of these people are on camera and off camera during quieter moments where, yeah, the, Rob, I think his name was, he, you know, he wanted mm-hmm. to get into West Point 
And you can definitely tell, yeah, Texas, you know, a lot of the views are conservative, but where on camera he's telling you how he does not support abortion um, off camera in a more quiet moment, he's he actually says that he's more pro-choice than he would admit out loud, but because it's not a popular position, he he goes along with, with the crowd and... Yeah, I mean, I'll put it this way. I don't like a lot of our elected officials. I'm not, I'm not just going to bash or anything like that. But no, mm-hmm. I, I think part of the problem is is the lack of trust in the people yeah. who we elect. And I don't trust a lot of, regardless of party, I'm conservative, yes. I do not subscribe to a political party. I don't fit in that box. And once upon yeah. once upon a time, yes, I was, I was a registered Republican. I think well over 12, 13 years ago, at a point, the party left me and I left the party. It was a mutual parting. And you sort of hear about this, uh, it's called the walk away movement. You know, people who said that they walked away from being liberal or walked away from left turning policies. And then all they did was just walk across the street to the other party, who I really don't think is any better. And to me, I think if you truly want to walk away, walk away from political factions um, and walk away towards walk towards something that is more unifying and more, more empathy based, more empathy based. And I really do feel that, hey, people are not always going to agree on things. Not always. And that's perfectly fine. That is okay. I encourage civil discourse because if everybody thought the same way, I think we would probably be worse off. So I think it's good to have healthy debate, healthy civil discourse. What What we see now is we don't have that. We have personal attacks. We have mudslinging. Um, manufactured narratives and people buy into it and it has done so much damage to the fabric of our society i think that's where this movie really really hit me hard is we see this this war that we're as as adults that we're all at each other's throats and and you know i to be honest, we see a president who who acts so awful, such a bully, so mean, so and and I've been told and forgive me, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. I've been told by many people that oh, you know that the president isn't a role model. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, his his behavior isn't important. It's it's his policies. And then I see the way that kids are acting because they see that that's okay, and that just. It, it devastates me. And it's like we need to realize that, yes, whoever is in public office, those below – those the kids growing up do see them and they do observe them and they do look at that behavior and they think, okay, well, if they're going to act that way, then it's okay and it's actually what I should be doing. That kind of behavior is how I, I will you know move up the ranks and, and that needs to stop. And it, it's um, – it felt like this movie was a very honest mirror. That was kind of being turned towards us. Um. Absolutely. I just felt like, you know, you, you hear the saying growing up, nice guys finish last. 
Now, we know that's not always true, and we know that, especially when one is running for, you know, an elected office, character should definitely play a role in who we elect and who we are trusting with our vote to represent, you know, the constituency, you know, the people. And I mean, now, I mean, let's put it this way, Donald Trump, who I have disliked. And when I say I dislike Donald Trump, I do not know Donald Trump personally. It's his public persona I am talking more about. And the people he has publicly surrounded himself with. When I say I don't like Donald Trump, that is what I am talking about. The character that he puts on in front of the camera, that's who I am talking about. And apparently it's not a character he plays because there are people in his own family who say that what you see is what we have gotten before he was president. And I understand that he has been a part of American pop culture and a scene fixture in New York nightlife and society. And there are people who have had nothing but glowing things to say about him. I don't know him personally. I just know his public persona is something that I wouldn't aspire to. I think I think that that's a fair assessment. My like of my dislike of Donald Trump does not come from sound bites taking out of context or from the nightly news. I think Donald Trump does a wonderful job of making me dislike him without any type of manipulation. Yeah. It's just his overall character I don't agree with. And when I say that, I don't expect people to be perfect because none of us are perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt the same way about Barack Obama. And just the thing, I it's not just Donald Trump. It's just more noticeable with Donald Trump. And I even noticed it with President Obama as well, is how people get caught up in the cult of a candidate. I don't wear political slogans. I'm not a NASCAR. I'm not wearing these products on my body. I don't wear clothing or apparel that represents um, a candidate or a political party. Because first and foremost, I am an American and I will treat everybody around me with dignity and self-worth whether they are American or not. And I just really feel that Donald Trump just didn't bring out the best of the American people. And I'm not saying that just because somebody voted for him, that makes them despicable or deplorable or a racist. I'm not saying that at all. And I know there are people who disagree with me on that sentiment, and that's perfectly okay. But for the past four years, one of my wishes to myself was to not um, really give in to the nastiness 
that has just really been so pervasive um, just all around. But I really do believe that leadership starts at the top. And even though I don't care for him, I wanted him to step up. I just don't think he ever did. Yeah, no, I thank you so much for sharing that. I, I feel the same way. I mean, I when I look at this movie and I see kids imitating that behavior, it's like, okay, like we we need to realize that we all really we all want unity like that is one thing that we can all agree on we all realize and and know in our hearts that that is what we need we need to find the ability to find compromise and the way that things are currently set up and because i will be honest because of our current president we're not going to get there Mm -mm. so we need to we need to move on and the only way that we can do that is for donald trump to be out of office, and then we need to start to build this bridge because we we do have a lot of uh, a large divide to build, and that's our responsibility. If anything, that's what I want to see. I just want to see that divide uh, repaired. And I'll be honest, um, I don't think once Donald Trump is out of office, whether that is a couple of months from now or whether a few years from now, because we know elections can go either way, it's going to really take us, the people, to really repair that bridge and to um, to bring ourselves together. I don't trust any elected official, whether that is uh, anybody in Congress or anybody of the president, uh, because I, I just don't really see either one of these people really being, you know, unifying voices. It's really going to take us in the end. What's been, I think, really inspiring about this year as, you know, we've we've had a year highlighted by, you know, mass protests and um, and kind of mass amounts of people speaking up and speaking out for what they feel is unjust and, and what they believe needs to happen. I think I think we can take that and and kind of take that as our hope for the future. Um, you know, you look at you look at some of these candidates and the way that their platforms now have to be kind of. They have to include certain things that they wouldn't have included four years ago. And the reason why is because of you guys, because of everyone that's spoken out about what we need as human beings. Things like universal health care are now a talking point that is actually the reason why they're even brought up is because of people speaking up and using their voices. The reason why, you know, if not free, but affordable college is even a talking point is because of people speaking up and speaking out. It's not because of the elected officials getting to that point. It's because of us. It's because of we used our voices. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that is something that we can really look at as a positive and something that has, you know, I, I think we can build on. So, um, you know, some people might who are listening to this might think, when did this turn into a political show? I mean, the thing is, I mean, we, we talk about film, but film also mirrors what is happening. Uh, we often say, you know, um, life imitates art or imitates life. And yeah. so I, I think definitely right now, um, especially during these times and what's going on, you know, us, us talking about, you know, these more heavy and grounded issues definitely ties in to to the film the documentary that we are talking about um i think you know like i said you know i'm not trying to change anybody's point of view or anything like that if anything just this is just a a narrative 
a different narrative maybe from what you have than that you just give it a just a listen and then in the end you make up your own mind so definitely don't think that connor and i are trying to influence your decision on on positions i i think uh you know whether we have you know a small platform like we do or or a larger platform i think it's our responsibility as someone you know with the ability to get our voice out there i think it's our responsibility to speak up and um, and sometimes there's times where we just can't be silent. And Absolutely. This is one of those times. Um, and I look forward to getting to a point where we can talk about movies um, and, you know, we can continue to keep our elected officials account- held accountable, but we can actually talk about films again. And and, um, and I'm excited for that day where they don't, maybe they don't influence um, our entertainment. Right, where we, we can actually, you know, just talk more film than than anything else because that's that's what this platform is for but also um we are making sure to use this platform responsibly yeah um, as well yeah no i and i also kind of i wanted to end this talking about um the last kind of act of the movie which is um so steven garza wins his first his first kind of campaign um to become one of the candidates for this governor position, this, you know, pseudo governor position in the boy state. Um, and he's going up against another candidate who they don't, if there's, if there's one complaint about the movie and I, I, I don't think, I mean, as a documentary filmmaker, it's really hard to know who you're going to follow and which, which people you're going to focus on. And I think it's just kind of luck of the draw and, and a little bit of, you know, just, I, I don't know. A lot of luck goes into picking the right person, but they don't really focus much on the other candidate for governor. Um, and that would be one thing that I, I kind of wish we would have known a little bit more about. Him. Right. Um, what's his name? Um, Eddie. Eddie. Yes. Who, um, the guy who actually won, but you don't really know a whole lot about. And a lot except, of people say yeah. that he reminds them a little bit of a Ben, like a Ben Shapiro type. You do hear yeah. like, comments surrounding him, but you don't really hear much about him. Um, and kind of what happens in that last act is you see, you see Eddie's campaign manager, who is one of the main characters. Forgive me, you know his name, Justin. What was the his campaign uh, manager's so, name? So yeah, ben, so Ben. Ben. So you yeah. see Ben employing tactics that Renee is not employing, and you see what happens is um, some post comes out on Instagram that shows that our main character was at a March for Our Lives rally. Um, he was using his voice and speaking up, um, and he tries to take that information and to blackmail him basically. Um, and he, you know, creates this Instagram page and, and uses a lot of really dirty tactics that, um, I guess you kind of hope aren't going to work. And in the end, they kind of do work, I guess. That was the saddest part to realize that the honest candidate where, once that information came out that he had participated in March for Life, you know, March for Our Lives, he was honest and open about it. And he even said that he is a Second Amendment supporter. But once that got out there, uh, Ben pretty much found a way to spin it to get the his guy elected. And, you know, one would probably think coming off of that, that doesn't pay to be honest and, you know, and all that. And I I hope nobody walks away with that feeling 
because if anything, we, we do need more people like Stephen to run for office. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I you hope know, he does. Yeah, I, I really do too. So I really hope people don't walk away with the feeling that in order to succeed, you have to manipulate. And we know the thing is that politics is a game of manipulation. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny. I, I listened to this, uh, you know, this is from the um, Supreme Court hearings this week uh-huh. um, to confirm, um, you know, uh, Judge Barrett to the Supreme Court and uh, Republican Senator Ben Sasse from Nebraska before, you know, the hearings got underway, had this like 10 minute speech about the difference between civics and politics and how, you know, for the most part, people are united on civics, but then politics is where we disagree on. And there's things that we are going to agree on and disagree on, but just how, you know, there's more um, strategy that goes into politics because especially with our major party system, even though you think that the party is representing the people and they should be representing everybody, whether the people who are part of the party or not, we're all Americans, just how these parties, the real battles is to get their guy elected to represent everybody yeah, and just how like, you know, uh, smearing candidates worked, you know, on a, on a small level and how they can work even on a much larger level as well. Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. And you, I, I think, you know, in the end, the movie has a pretty hopeful message. I mean, it I does. mean even though it, it, it does end with Stephen losing, it's still pretty hopeful. And, and you see, like, um, the way that he gathers votes is is quite different than anyone else. He goes to each person and he he basically says, instead of forcing you to sign or, or um, you know, doing something to, to get your signature, I want you to, I, I want to earn your vote. And he yes. feels very strongly mm-hmm. about he has a, a quite a bit of personal integrity, um, and I think that's what's so inspiring about him. And he also he he views his role as someone that reflects just being a voice for the people, um, and he doesn't he doesn't want to push his agenda. He's just all about listening and and being the voice for the people. Um, and actually, he uses a quote um, from. Um, oh, what is the uh, the uh, the famous historical figure that he he cites? Napoleon. Napoleon. Yeah, which is very surprising, and I I hadn't heard what he talks about. I do you remember what he says by chance? Or I can't remember the exact quote, but yeah, he uses uh, Napoleon as his uh, inspiration, among others. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me off guard, and actually, and it really, it was really interesting, and I and I appreciated that. Um, and the the moment that I think really stuck with me is is we find out. So so not only does um, is there some kind of he talks about the march for our lives and kind of uses that to blackmail Stephen, but he also there's an uh, incident with um, Renee where they're on stage and he kind of drums up some drama out of nothing. Yes, yeah, so he. He accuses Renee of bias 
Yeah. And I mean, look, I mean, I could be a drama queen to an extent, but Ben was like, he was playing the drama up. Yes. And he definitely used that to his advantage. And he really, he did, he kind of did Renee dirty. Like, I I know that I've I've watched some videos and there was, there was a bit of time where they had to kind of work things out. Like, Renee wasn't super happy even after this movie ended with Ben um, because he, he treated him pretty awfully. Um, and he soured Renee on politics. I, I know that Renee's talked about that he wouldn't go into politics after this. Um, but it, it's just interesting. Um, you see that behavior and you see Steven, even though, you know, he's doing this, he, he still doesn't stoop to that level and he may lose, but he's so proud of himself. And in the moment where he's talking to his mom on the phone and, he he switch over switches over to speaking to her in Spanish and is crying and it's like man this is what the country represents we are all I mean it's been said a million times but we're all immigrants we all come from another place originally whether it was you know the last hundred years or longer um, but this is what's so great about our culture is that we are a huge melting pot that can everyone when when the country is running well can have a chance to succeed um, and I. I found that really inspiring. And as a person that that feels like that I wouldn't necessarily align with like our, our current late stage capitalism kind of ideas, for me be for me to be able to see that and still find it inspiring says a lot about how effective the movie was. Um so yeah, I, I feel like the movie ends in quite a happy note in kind of showing that whether you win or lose to maintain your integrity even through loss is more important than winning. And I, I, I feel like that's kind of one of the things that the movie might be kind of its its coda or what it's saying or one of the many things it's saying. I will, I will definitely watch it again. I'm going to try to watch it again within the next week or so. Yeah. Uh, but I cannot recommend it enough. It, it yeah. was very good. Um, I think it'll. I think you'll definitely see it nominated yeah. for best documentary at the Oscars. If we I hope. So, I hope so. I recommend it for for younger younger kids or teenagers. Definitely uh-huh. adults as well, because there's something definitely to be learned from watching yeah, it. For sure. Um, and I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I I wanted to talk about. So we were me and Justin were talking about what we wanted to review on our next episode, and I know we both want to get back to a more regular schedule. Um, so there are a lot of movies that are coming out that are getting a lot of the Oscar buzz, and a lot of the movies that are probably going to be part of the Oscar race are going to be coming out in the next couple months. And one of them is the new Aaron Sorkin film, which is Trial of the Chicago Seven, and I think we want to watch that one and review it. Um, so I think that'll be yeah for for the next podcast, and hopefully, um, well, I know I'm back on a regular work schedule myself, so. I'm definitely good for next week if you're game for next week. Yes, and I'd like to get this one done because it, it definitely applies to our current time. And I, I, I definitely um, I think it has something to say about politics as well, if I remember right, or, or in does. that vein. Okay, so yeah, that'll be good to get that out before the election come the third. Please vote. Um, we, I, I love you guys. We love you guys very much. Thank you so much for listening and sticking with us. I appreciate every one of you guys that takes the time to listen. I really do. That is a wrap. See you guys. Take care. Till next time.